Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, and welcome to another The New Abnormal special bonus episode. And we're so excited to have you. Zerlina Maxwell is the host of The Zerlina Show on Peacock TV. She's also the co-host of Signal Boost on Sirius XM and the author of The End of White Politics. First, let's talk about The End of White Politics because, I, you know, just tell our listeners a little bit about that book and why you decided to write it. Well, it's so funny to sit here now and think about why I decided to write The End of White Politics because I didn't anticipate that some of the things I was talking about in the book would happen so quickly. Yeah. But if I could take you back to Politicon, which I'm not sure if you've been to Politicon. I've never been, but I've heard. (laughs) A little bit of a hot mess. Um, It's sort of like if you, it's like Comic-Con for political nerds or cable news pundits. It's very odd bunch. You know, Dennis Rodman and Coulter in the same room. James Carville's over there. You're like, why is this happening? (laughs) And so I went to Politicon and I was on a panel which was like, what now, liberals? And it was in 2018, before the midterms, before the Mueller report came out, all of that. And it was like, you know, progressives who supported Bernie, a couple Hillary folks, Marcos Melitzas was on the panel. Like it was a it was a good cross-section of of people on the left sort of unpacking why we lost in 2016. Yeah. But it turned into a complete dumpster fire when I made the point to one of the Bernie Sanders supporters that if he were to run again in 2020, which he did. Um, He was going to need to improve his messaging towards communities of color, specifically how he engages black women, because black women are the base of the Democratic Party and you can't win without us. And and I made that point, which now it seems like, yeah, everybody can agree with that after what we we just watched. But then I guess it was something they didn't want to hear. So I got like booed his, you know, it was a little, it was a little dramatic, right? And I realized, I mean, it was, it was luck, right? A book editor Krishan Trotman was in the audience from Hachette. She was like, you should write this book. This this is a book. You have something to say about the left. What just happened? Um, there's a lot there. And so I really just took that that sort of moment and used it as, I don't know, a jumping off point <laughs> to to sort of speak to my people on the left and really get them to understand that the demographics in America are shifting towards um, a reality where white voters are going to be a minority of the electorate. And that's not true yet, but in a lot of places, because of the pluralities and in some cases, like in Texas, the majorities that people of color and the coalitions um, they can create, you know, they can win elections. In hindsight, I was on to something. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> because we just w- witnessed the 2020 elections where I didn't anticipate we were going to flip Georgia so quickly. I knew that was possible. I talk about Stacey Abrams and her playbook that she ran in her gubernatorial race by engaging all different swaths of the electorate and going directly to voters of color and talking specifically about identity and policy solutions for those communities, understanding that race is a factor and gender is a factor. And I just think that now it seems like I was psychic or something. But really, I was just saying a thing that seemed to be an obvious point that somebody needed to say. And I think Republicans understand this. That's one of the reasons why 
They try to suppress voters of color. They try to pack power in, in the court system. You know, they understand the demographic shifts in a way that I feel like Democrats needed to. Yeah. No, it's so interesting to me that Republicans seem to understand this better, even though their want is nefarious, than Democrats. I mean, it's just sort of shocking to me. It is very shocking to me. Talk to me about what you see in the cabinet. Like, I'm upset. I don't quite understand why Marsha Fudge shouldn't be the ag secretary and instead should go to HUD. Like, do you, are you seeing, like, I feel like the Biden administration needs to do more to put black women in his cap in their cat in his cabinet. Well, I think, you know, so far the picks have made a lot of sense. I try not to be too cynical about it. I think, you know, at the end of the day, all the picks have one thing in common. They have a good relationship with Joe Biden. Right. So I think, you know, that may be the that one thing at the end of the list of, you know, check marks that he's trying to go through to to select these folks, I think that's the one that matters the most. It's weighted the most. Right. And, you know, I think it's important that, you know, groups are being like the NAACP and the Urban League, you know, they're, they're coming out and they're being outspoken about the fact that they want to be more directly consulted about some of these picks. Now, it looks like it's like family food fighting. But honestly, what I found the most interesting about the last week was that the Biden campaign you know, they have been talking to civil rights groups. It wasn't just, it just wasn't the NAACP and the National Urban League. It was Color of Change and other organizations that are newer and have younger leadership. Which is actually good, right? Which is good. So, so look, I think at the end of the day, I think the way it's going to shake out is like, we're going to like some of these picks and we're going to not like some of these picks and we're going to have to work with it, work with within um, sort of that dynamic, which is a lot better than the last four years, certainly. <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, I think, like, Marsha Fudge is, he can put her anywhere and she will do an excellent job. Right, that's true. And so, so I do see, I do see why people are like, well, why would you put the same, the same person, white man, in charge of the department he was in charge, in in charge of before? Years, and, he, yeah. he over, and he oversaw some things that weren't Maybe great. Maybe controversial, uh, that, yeah. That whole Shirley Sherrod situation was not great. But at the same time, it's like, again, it goes back to who's, who Biden knows well and who he feels comfortable in those roles. And so I think I'm just going to defer to his judgment on that Yeah. at this point, because there's no pick that he's picked that I'm like, that's terrible. Yeah. You know, like no, that's going to ruin it. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> and that's pretty so, good. <laughs> and he's not picking like Fox News contributors <laughs> or his kids. Yeah. I, I like, look, the bar is low, but, uh, <laughs> but certainly he's, he's, he's surpassing it, you know, in leaps and bounds. And, and I think the fact that we can even sort of on a substantive level be like, well, this person could be better for reasons X, Y, Z. I mean, we're already doing a lot better than we, we were just a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> it's certainly true. So you have <laughs> a radio show, which I've been on full disclosure and like a lot. And you also have a television program, which I've also been on, full disclosure, and, and really enjoy. First of all, how do you do, like, I always think I do a lot, but you do a lot. <laughs> I think about this on a daily basis. How do I do it? Um, I stick to a schedule. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the only way you can do it. Um, and I still sometimes feel like I'm not doing either thing to the best of my ability because I'm tired. But that's my goal every day is to, like, you know, I have two major things to accomplish and, you know, it's almost like an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I look at it like I, both things um, require different parts of my brain and my, my sort of spirit. 
So each one requires different prep. Like in the morning, I sit outside on the porch. I look at the the sun coming up because it's a morning show. So yeah. <laughs> it's like when the sensor is coming up, um, I have some caffeine. I read my AP morning wire and I go through the New York Times. Like I do like I have my like little rituals. And then in the afternoon, it is it was a little tough because it starts at 7 a.m. and it ends at 7 p.m. Yeah, that's so it's like so it's, it's sort of like the beginning and at the end. So that's been fun. <laughs> But, but what I do is I sort of like have a little routine. I work out. I sort of put on some good music. I have to do my own hair and makeup because that's what we're all doing now in pandemic. Yeah. So that's a whole process <laughs> uh, for women that men and male hosts did not have to factor in. They do not have to factor that in that it takes me an extra hour to to look presentable in the patriarchy. Yeah. And so I, I just sort of have my little routine at, at night, get ready for the show so I can have the most amount of energy you know, and really try to bring my best self to that too. It's, it's, it's kind of like, I feel like I'm a, a professional athlete at this point. At this point. Well, you kind of are. <laughs> Do you find that the news, because you really have this job, which is all about, you really see the news in the morning and the news in the evening. Are you shocked as some days when you go on like, do you think I could never have imagined this kind of stuff would happen? Every day. The day, the week I started was the week that Donald Trump was positive with COVID-19 and in Walter Reed and taking the helicopter, you know, walking out to the helicopter and taking it. And then that was the whole week where, you know, and weekend where he drove around, waved out the car with the Secret Service. I mean, so, so certainly I have the moments where I'm like, I cannot believe this is real life. I mean, every morning I do some form of a rant where it's like, I feel like I'm Michael B. Jordan in uh, Black Panther where he's like, is this your king? <laughs> like, I feel like that every day, every day. I'm like, because I feel, I mean, like, I feel like I'm a fairly intelligent person. I'm not the smartest person, but I, I feel like the way that my brain works and how I think about things, like I think them all the way through often to my detriment because, you know, with COVID, I was like, People can transmit this without symptoms. So I just assume everybody's a zombie. Yeah. That's how you function. Yeah. And, you're like, and so, and people were like, that seems very extreme. And, I'm, and now doctors are like, well, asymptomatic spread is very problematic. And I'm like, I thought I was there, I was there in April. But I feel like, you know, every single day I look around and I can't believe that there's 70 plus million people who are getting duped by somebody who's not intelligent. That's the thing that actually, I can't believe. Yeah. That, that people are walking into maskless rallies in the middle of a pandemic with an airborne virus that's killed, you know, more people in one day than 9-11, which fundamentally upended our whole government. And we yeah. started multiple wars yeah. as a result. Yeah. And also one that was sort of a euphemism for <laughs> a larger <laughs> ongoing forever, you know, war yeah. on terror. Um, so I just feel like, you know, uh, I can't believe Donald Trump was what sort of exposed America for... Uh, some of the lies we tell ourselves. Oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> but I guess that's what, how it's going to go. I mean, I think that we, we lie to ourselves when we say that we are exceptional in particular ways in which we are proving to ourselves in this last year, we are not. Yeah. <laughs> and I wondered early on in the pandemic, like the, the, the messaging about masks wasn't going wasn't gonna to work on us. Yeah. Because in the beginning, it was very easy to see that, oh, a mask is more so... So if you are sick, you are not transmitting it to others. 
meaning that the mask is a symbol of my con- care and concern for others. Right. I was like, we don't we don't do that here. <laughs> yeah, that didn't fly. We're not really we're not really about that life. Yeah. Like, if you ask Americans to do something mildly inconvenient <laughs> uh, to protect their neighbor. They're going to sue them. They're not going to, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's terrible, but it's true. I know that, like, that's not the vast majority of us, but obviously it is a third or so. I really was concerned for us. So every day I am surprised by the, the just what I am seeing revealed about the American people, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the, and the places in which we, we really have some work to do. Because we do have a lot of work to do. I mean, there was another case this week of a black person killed by the police, Casey Goodson, who in Columbus, Ohio, was on his way home from a dentist appointment, stopped to get a Subway sandwich. The police were looking for a violent fugitive, right. of which he was not. No criminal record, nothing. They don't know what really happened because there's no body cameras right, of course. on these police officers. And he was shot with the keys in his doorknob. They're hanging there in the photo and they shot him multiple times, including in the back to the point where he was holding, you know, his five-year-old little brother found him and he still had the sandwich in his hand. I mean, I just, so, so it's, it's these kind of stories that like when they come back around and they always do, that's the moment where we have to do that introspection. And I think the pandemic allowed us some space to do that this summer uh, with the racial reckoning, I was in awe of the people who chose to risk their lives in a pandemic to protest what they knew was right. And I think, you know, that showed me that there are at least another third of us that are willing to do the hard work of getting us to the right side of many of these issues. But it's going to be a long haul here. And I also think we're going to be completely traumatized. Oh, yeah. No question. After we sort of get to the other side of this pandemic, because I don't know that if you can have half a million Americans die and that not fundamentally change our psychology. Oh, no question. I think. And also the people who are sick and have long haul Mm -hmm. side effects. I have like a kind of complicated question, but I'm curious to ask you. You know, I grew up in this white feminist world of white feminists who, like, really, they didn't, I mean, I'm going to assume they didn't know what they were doing. But, you know, I hope, (laughs) that's my hope that they didn't know what they were doing. But It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When picking a commerce platform for your business, you have two choices. Or I prefer Don't you? 
That's the sound you'll hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling your business's complexity no matter how big you grow. Step up to Shopify and harness the best converting checkout and the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands like Rothy's, Allbirds, Brooklinen, and so much more. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate your products, orders, customers, and more from every major e-commerce platform to Shopify. If you're anything like me, you're one of those don't put me in a box people. Everyone who knows me knows I'm a don't put me in a box person. And thankfully, Shopify never will because with Shopify, control of your brand and business is always in your hands from your storefront look to your back office operations. I hate when checking out from an online store and then having to pull out my credit card and type in all those numbers. A Shopify store remembers my shipping address and payment information. So if I'm on the couch and my wallet is on the kitchen counter... I don't even have to get up. Stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash abnormal. I'm curious to know, how do white feminists make it right? That's a good question, because I, I, all, I too, <laughs> grew up in a world of white feminists. Yeah. I feel like I, I'm in, in a unique vantage point, because I started writing and blogging at Feministing. That wasn't the first website I, I blogged for, but it was in the beginning, before I even started writing for money. And one of the things that I did intentionally is go to a place where it was about intersectional feminism and about the fact that, you know, white feminists need to understand that you can't just focus on abortion. That's not like the only issue that is relevant for women, all women, frankly, but certainly not for women of color, because if you're not talking about racism, if you're not talking about, you know, class and all of those intersections, then you're not doing it right. So white feminists, they they did do a lot of work between 2016 and 2020, frankly. And I think it's been important to see the ways in which, especially since the summer, people have, I mean, I don't mind it when you're asking me for books to read, you know, people, a lot of people do that. But, you know, I think that the desire for people to become more educated on race is a step in the right direction. Like, there are some black, you know, black feminists who be like roll their eyes and be like, I mean, now you finally, finally <laughs> realize racism, you know. But um, but I try, I try to be like, okay, like I could be roll my eyes at you and yeah. say like it's about time. Yeah. But if not now, when? And I think that also I, I sort of use the show that I have in the morning, which is di- very different from the show that I have at night, because I have a co-host who is a feminist. We're partners in feminism, and she presents as white, but she has Mexican heritage on her mom's side. We always joke that she's secretly Mexican, <laughs> but she moves throughout the world as a secret white woman because her last name is Macintosh. She and I have really, I think, uncomfortable but frank conversations about even how she witnesses how different it is for me to walk around in the world in the body that I'm in. And that when we would like, you know, do our little mini broad city episodes walking around New York City, <laughs> going to our, like, like, do our radio show and like go to our Orange Theory classes, you know, <laughs> we were like, we were literally our own episode of Broad City. She would see firsthand like what it's like 
right? She'd just be, you know, because like most people don't assume that two women of different races that are like standing next to each other are together. And so, you know, she'd watch people elbow me in the head or like cut me on the line. Like there was one day where like I was just waiting to get breakfast. I mean, I get yelled at a lot by older white people. And so this older white woman, she just started yelling, just started yelling at me. And you just kind of look. And, and so now she's, she uses, she's like, I, she flexes her white privilege and she'll, so she'll yell back, right? She'll, she'll use her privilege in that moment. And I feel like if we could just all sort of be Jess McIntosh and, and just try to use the privilege where it's possible. And certainly if, I mean, black people may appreciate it for real. If you're a white person and you see a black person in a store or online at the grocery store, you know, getting mistreated, if you see that, be an ally in that moment. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been um, mistreated and just looked around at the other people who are pretending not to see. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it, we've gone too long where white Americans have pretended not to see. They pretended not to see what was really happening. They pretended not to understand what the phrase Black Lives Matter means. Yeah. When all it, that when when you know exactly what it means, because you you know, to everybody's shared that Jane Elliott video at the beginning of the summer where she asked a group of white students, um, you know, raise your hand if you'd like to be treated the way we treat black people and none of them raise their hand because you know that you don't want to be treated that way and you know that there's a problem and you know that um you know, if, if your child could not walk and get a Subway sandwich without being killed by the police, and in addition, there is no accountability by the society because it's not just the violent act, it's also that our society deems it acceptable as a status quo that I can walk outside right now, go jogging, be mistaken for a who knows what or just shot, and then the police know the lie to tell. They know the lie to tell to get away with it. They know the script to follow, and that's the problem. We all see what's happening. And so white, white feminists just sort of, they need to be about that life. They need to really lean in to the fact that racism is a problem they need to care about too. And the, the, their white sistren who are voting for herd immunity without a vaccine yeah. <laughs> because they're afraid of black people coming to the suburbs yeah. when the virus is killing you in the suburbs and yeah. your mother and your father who are in the nursing home. Yeah. So it's really just about listen to black women first, but, but really, you know, be more like Jess McIntosh. Use those moments where you, you can identify ways in which you can use, utilize your privilege to benefit people who don't have it. So they, they can get a little bit, you know, those days where Jess stands up for me or, you know, at least yells with me back at the, cause normally if, if I'm getting yelled at by a white woman, like I'm old <laughs> enough now, I, well, I, I, you know, maybe in my twenties, I didn't yell back. I'm, nearly 40 and i was man if, if I, I don't have any qualms in you know i can sort of read someone without even cursing pretty well yeah but it is nice to have a friend who can can utilize her privilege so i just encourage other people to find ways to do that yeah no i agree all right this was so good i were now i've gone over on that note, we'll wrap up this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking with smart folks from The Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. We're just getting started and don't want you to miss an episode. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm Molly Jongfast, and he's The Rick Wilson. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.